This episode of the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast is sponsored by AWS Energy. AWS brings the most advanced and secure cloud services and deep industry expertise across energy, utilities, and sustainable energy sectors. Together with a broad partner ecosystem, AWS is accelerating the energy transition through practical innovations to deliver energy efficiently, reliably, sustainably, and responsibly. Learn more at aws.amazon.com energy. Welcome to the Energy Fellows podcast, where each episode is designed to share expertise and experiences from U.S. and global energy fellows. They provide direction and possible solutions for ultimate journey results. Here's your host, Mark Stansberry. Welcome to another episode of the Energy Fellows podcast. I'm Mark Stansberry, your host. And today we're in for a treat, as always, when we have Stacy Huddleston from Kansas City on the Energy Fellows. Welcome, Stacy. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? Oh, doing well. Thank you so much. When I think of a financial expert, and you know this because I will call you, <laughs> say, what's going on in the financial world? I really would like to hear more. It's very important to keep up these days, no matter what part of the system you're in, no matter where you work, no matter what you've got going. Economics means so much, doesn't it, Stacey? Tell us. It really, yeah, it really does. Tell us about that because you're in Kansas City. You do work throughout the world in the nation. So guide us along the path of the financial world as it is today. Well, we would need probably three weeks of podcast time to fit it all in. It's been really crazy. And first off, thank you again for having me on. I really appreciate all that you do. And I'm just excited about what is kind of in front of us. I like to take very calculated risks and minimize any type of downturn as possible. I think most people are like that. But right now, if I had to sum it up, I would say that just like on past sessions, the amount of uncertainty right now is absolutely what I would consider at its peak. And we're talking about the economy and not the stock market, right? Those are two different things. And while one may fuel the other, the economy itself is measured on several levers, if you will. And the Fed chairman, Jerome Powell, just provided his recent speech from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. If you haven't been to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, I highly uh, (laughs) encourage everybody to do it. I've got a great guy up there that's a good tour guide. But with that said, the information that he put out from his latest meeting is challenging to decipher. And what you really understand from that is that we're in a period of unknown, a mass amount of uncertainty. And there's really three levers that, or three tests that Powell is really looking at, and jobs being one, really trying to understand and dig into the numbers of the jobs, not just what is the unemployment rate, but how many new jobs have come about. That seems to be decreasing a little bit. They're even measuring how many people quit their jobs, and that seems to be coming down a little bit. So the jobs numbers seem to be cooling for now. The core inflation, you take out things like energy and food and housing, what you really dig into the numbers is that seems to be cooling as well. And inside those numbers, they're looking at things like savings accounts and how much money is actually sitting in a consumer's bank account, you know, and there's reports right now that there's an excess of about $5 billion in savings sitting in the consumer bank accounts right now. What that means is that 
there's still going to be retail spending. And that's the third lever and the third thing that Powell is kind of looking at, which is, you know, if you take out the energy and the housing and food and you look at people spending in retail and restaurants, that number is actually still growing Mm -hmm. at a pretty impressive pace. And so I think what we're going to see is kind of a drawdown on that $500 in savings from the typical or average consumer for now is... I don't know, I would say oblivious to what's kind of in front of us. And so they're just trusting everything's going on and everything's going to be okay. But eventually they're going to start dwindling that savings account down. Mm -hmm. And that's where the pain is going to happen. I think that auto sales are still up, but primarily due to a pent up amount of demand from people who just have been kind of limping their current vehicle along and waiting to get into another auto, even though interest rates are up. I mean, to buy a car today and put it on a five, six, seven year term, you're looking at an average interest rate somewhere between seven and 9%. And that's if you have great credit, right? From the lending side, what's really interesting. So all of these things are being measured on a monthly basis. Those numbers just come out, I think today. And so what we're going to see is kind of a back and forth, kind of a flip of a coin of whether or not the Fed decides to raise the interest rate or raise the Fed rate another quarter basis points. I don't think you're going to see another half or three quarters anymore. I think the decision is going to be whether we sustain and keep the rates the way that they are, or maybe we bump them another quarter point. But you have to understand, it takes about six months for any type of raise or lower of that that core Fed rate Mm -hmm. to really have any effect on the economy. While we do have numbers that support the Fed just kind of keeping the rates where they are, there's no data supporting that they're going to lower them anytime soon. I think personally, and this is my educated guess, I think we're going to see, again, it's a 50-50. It just comes down to how the numbers are. But I don't know. It's either going to be a quarter percent bump or we're going to keep the rates the same. And I think November 1st or sometime in early November is when the next decision on rates is going to happen. Mm. So what we're going to see, I think we're going to see continued consumer spending through Christmas. And then it's almost like consumer behavior goes, okay, wait a minute. We've really just blown through our savings. We went to Disneyland this year. It costs a lot of money. And now I think we need to stop spending our savings at a slower pace than maybe what we had. I think we were going to have one more good Christmas where people just go ahead and use up their savings. And then we're going to see going into Q1 of next year, I think we're going to begin to see a much larger increase in credit card usage on the consumers. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean for businesses? Right now, the retail and the restaurant sector, they're still doing well but they're still relying on the consumer behavior of utilizing their savings account. You know more about the energy and the situation that's happening right now. And I've been doing this for a few years. And I will tell you, geopolitical pressure just seems to keep coming up. I think the political side and what we see on politics is going to continue to get muddy. And unfortunately, I think the byproduct of that is higher energy prices. But the good part of it is, is it helps fuel the energy production in the U.S. Mm -hmm. But I have no idea how that's going to continue on as far as the energy. Here's the bubble that's 
nobody's talking about, okay? I've been in lending for 22 and a half years, focused on improving a company's cash flow position. And so most of my career has been focused on credit lines, revolvers, and supporting a company's growth on a day-by-day cash management basis. Mm -hmm. I should be a CFO somewhere, I think. But with that said... You definitely could be with all your experience, no question. I think so. I think so. But what's really interesting about this is working with business owners, working with CFOs, working with controllers, they're still worried about supply chain. They're still concerned that there's going to be some sort of a shortage at some point coming up. They don't know why and and they don't know how and they don't know when. But the companies today that hold inventory seem to be holding quite a bit more than they did a year or two ago. And that's primarily out of fear. Unfortunately, they can't get the amount of loans available to support that much of an inventory glut. And so I think there's still inventory on the business side to work through when you look at a B2B or business-to-business type of company. The bubble that's about to happen, though, is commercial real estate. You know, when back in the day when we would go get a house loan, you get approved, you sign the paperwork. As long as you made your payments every month, nobody talked to you about your house loan, right? (laughs) And you didn't have to submit financials. As long as you made your payments, everything was good. No question. That's very different when you look at a business loan, whether it be a revolving line of credit or whether that be a building, a commercial building loan. And this could be a strip mall. This could be a manufacturing facility where they've got a large facility, a building and land, anything where they have a commercial real estate loan in place usually balloons three, five or seven years from the date of signing those papers. Mm -hmm. Now, the interesting thing is they might amortize for 15, 20, 25 years, but the business has to send in financials at least annually, if not semi-annually to the bank to show that their cash flow position at their business is there to support those payments, okay? And even if they're making the payments every month, If their financials don't show that they're keeping up with the pace of inflation, if they're not raising their uh, prices to keep up with demand and supply chain shortages, and especially if they have rent roll, if they're not raising the lease on those, which is difficult to do, then the issue is, is when that comes up for review each year, if those financials don't support it, the bank can call the loan, even if the payments are made. And the interesting thing is you go back three years ago, and three years ago, if someone financed a building, they did it usually at prime plus zero, which at that time was three and a quarter percent. And they had no problem making those payments. Okay. The problem is, is if they took a three-year loan and today that loan comes up for renewal, even at prime plus zero, that interest rate now goes to eight and a half. Mm -hmm. Right. So the payment goes way higher than what they anticipated. And more than likely, they didn't raise the rent roll. They didn't raise revenue. They didn't raise the cash flow that's needed to cover that new increased payment. And I think we're going to begin to see defaults happen or technical defaults happen because the financials don't support the business and the new loan that is put in place to try to renew it for another three or five years. Those payments are going to be massively increased. Mm -hmm. And nobody's talking about this. 
No, they're not. And the challenges ahead for us are unbelievable. When you're looking at workforce development, talent development, the regulations that we're not even having talked about yet that are in place, both in banking and energy and environmental and so forth. I mean, they're challenging us to the point that can we keep up with research and, and innovation and technology to the degree that we need to if we are curtailed on developing because of regulations. Mm-hmm. And regulation itself, Stacy, you and I can agree, that regulations in themselves are not bad necessarily, but it's when they go beyond what they need to be. And that's finding that so balance right. is a tough thing. You know, like ESG is a good example. Environmental social governance, a lot of people say, oh, that's not great. Well, it could be great if it was applied correctly. <laughs> it's when they start saying, well, if you don't do the way we want you to do under ESG, then we're going to not give you any more investments. And a lot of these companies not even had the time to transition and it takes time to transition as well. Can you expand on, I mean, that's a lot of subjects. I've covered, what, five or six areas of topics. You can pick any one or all of them. <laughs> so please, want to hear more from you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And ESG to me is just another buzzword. And we're going to hear this come about even more. And there's going to be quite a bit of a focus on it. What's interesting is, I don't see that government really forcing the ESG as much as it being more of a social impact driven by the companies to prove that they're a good company, right? Correct. That's what I'm seeing. Right. What's really interesting is as ESG is being talked about, there are other buzzwords that have been really pushed in corporate America that seem to be less talked about that are, I think, just as important. I've seen a couple of companies recently, two years ago, diversity and inclusion was a massive push in their company. Good point. Yes. Yeah. Now, and I think it's incredibly important, right? But the issue is, is that's kind of being overshadowed now by the new buzzword of ESG. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to see kind of a social battle, if you will. And you're right. It's going to come down to how far that pendulum swings. And just like anything, we like to overcompensate and go all the way to the extreme on one side versus just trying to find a nice balance. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating because this is, to me, really driven more on the social side than it is kind of a governance or regulatory issue. I will tell you, there is actually one regulatory push that's occurring right now, not just in the, not just in the federal level, but in the accounting world. Mm-hmm. And insurance, and that's cyber. Cyber is now probably the number one. Glad concern. you brought that up. Yes, glad right? you brought that up. Yes, there's incredible companies out there who are providing that cyber support and doing quite well at it. It's really fascinating to see companies have to shift, or they've had to really apply more pressure into not just their IT division, but really go outside of what they know to try to bring in expertise to help them ensure that not only are the employees up to date on the training for cyber, but also that their IT division, they may have to add one or two experts into the company that are actually cyber experts. There's an incredible company out of Kansas, up here, suburb of Kansas City, called Onsite Logic. And my friend over there, Lucas Johnson, is just running a thousand miles an hour talking with companies who really don't know what they're doing. And they say, hey, we've got a great IT person. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry, IT is very different from cyber. You need to have somebody like Onsite Logic 
or mm-hmm. somebody who has actual cyber experience. And so there's actually regulatory pressure coming down onto companies, especially software companies, to ensure that they're actually taking the fall if something occurs like a cyber attack within their own system. Oh, it's special training. And you're talking about, especially the area of energy. My goodness, there are a lot of companies up to date, but there are many that aren't. I, you know, as I told you before and have told the audience, you know, 2018, 19, especially, I was giving talks on the digital transformation from the whiteboard to the boardroom. With that said, I found there were a lot of those different groups that I would speak to in Houston and Denver and Dallas, different locations that I would have members of those attending would come up and speak to me and say, yeah, I agree with you. We've got an issues before us because we're really not staffed. We need to be staffed. And part of that was cybersecurity. Part of it was on digital transformation. And then it's a combination of both because if you don't have those, and then to go beyond that, I'm not trying to jump from subject to subject, but it's so broad when it comes to economics because we've not even included about or talked and included robotics and AI, for example. And that's a whole new ballgame in itself mm-hmm. and take all these different factors and then try to make sense out of it all tonight and explain it to your family or explain it to your friends or to your employees and say, how do we get to our next step? How do we plan the next five years? First of all, you're right. It's not just to be IT. It's going to be a cybersecurity experts. It's going to be AI experts. It's going to be all these different people you need. And some companies are not going to make it over the next five years unless they have it. At the same time, they can't afford not to have it. So how do they meet that challenge, Stacy? And maybe the challenge is maybe they look at and examine themselves, well, this, I'm not part of the five years ahead. But to play the game, you got to make sure you've got the players. You're exactly right. And what's fascinating is we could look at companies and say, okay, what's your 10-year plan? What's your five-year plan? But things are moving so fast. Oh, the digital choice. transformation is moving so fast that it's no almost... Question. It's almost like we have to broaden it and say, okay, in five years, here's one or two things we want to accomplish. But in the next year, what are the 20 things that we need to accomplish? Because if you're already thinking about it for next year, you're already behind. That's where the expertise of cyber and insurance, you know, Hub International is a great insurance brokerage firm that provides cyber insurance. I think it's going to be required at some point for all businesses to have some sort of cyber insurance. Mm-hmm. And while it has been cheap in the past few years, I think it's going to get more expensive as it's being forced. We're going to see some shifts and some changes and some mandates happen. I think overall, we have a lot of issues, not just in the US, but throughout the world happening that is pulling the very fabric of the world economics in every direction that you can possibly imagine. You, you can throw a dartboard or throw a dart against the wall of each of the continents and pinpoint probably 15 to 20 different economic issues that are happening wherever that dart fell versus on the other side of the globe. It's really interesting right now how things have progressed and how fast they're moving, but more than anything, the amount of uncertainty that's occurring. And that is because the economy and the shifts and the changes are happening so fast. I think on the short run, what we're going to see Mm -hmm is we're going to see a mass amount of commercial buildings that are vacant and going bankrupt. I think we're going to see a ton of foreclosures happening, just like what we saw in 08 and 09, 2010, when it comes to residential real estate. I think we're going to see the exact same thing happen on the commercial real estate. And when that happens, we're going to see a very large amount of 
layoffs. And that's what's really going to begin to cool the economy. Mm -hmm. But I don't see that happening until probably middle of next year, middle of 2024. Just prior to the election, it sounds like. Yes. Correct. Okay. And we think things are uncertain today. A year from now, as we get closer to voting, I imagine it's going to be even more uncertain. So cash is king or what is king? I think cash is king, right? Cash flow is even more king. I think businesses have got to pay attention. I'm glad you said that because a lot of folks are going, we'll sit on the side. And no, but there's also some opportunities when there's a downside. That's right. There's some great opportunities. The opportunities are incredible right now. This is how a lot of your oil and gas barons became barons back in the day is because of a downturn and because of the opportunities. So they had cash sitting there, but they were also paying attention as businesses have to look at the increased cost of labor, increased cost of goods sold, and make those adjustments as quick as possible to keep up with their loan renewals that are going to happen in the next few years, even on the commercial real estate, so that they ensure that they have enough cash flow to cover the amount of annual loan payments that are due. Most banks require 20 to 30% more than what your annual debt payments are in order for them to approve your or renew your commercial real estate loan. Mm -hmm. And most accountants don't know this. They don't have the loan documents in place. So they're just telling mm -hmm. the business to write it off and pay less money in taxes. But unfortunately, that goes against the grain of getting a commercial loan. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of education that needs to happen. Business owners right now need to begin increased prices so that they have enough money or cash flow showing up on their financial statements to cover the loans when it comes up for renewal. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a lot of technical defaults coming. My, what a challenge. What a challenge for all. It's a trickle down from the standpoint of the companies down to the consumers, to all of us, right? So it's how do we uh, position ourselves? And that's something that tips that we need, suggestions that you're giving already, you've given several tips along the way. But for those that are listening, I know there are going to be some folks going, wow, where do I fit in? How do I stay alive? How do I, from a business standpoint? You know, I was talking to some young person recently and their uh, energy bill had gone up quite a bit and they were going, I don't know if we can keep this up. You know, we just bought us a new house and they're struggling to make payments right now just on not just energy, but food and supply chain you're talking about. I mean, it's, it's all the factors involved. If you take a 10 or 20 or 30% increase over a year or so ago, when they got their loan, it was a certain amount and now it's 20, 30% more. That's right. And they haven't got a pay raise. There are going to be some, like you said, not only defaults on the commercial side, but possibly on the consumer side as well. So. Yeah, the consumers right now just need to save as much as they can and really begin to look for sales, look for deals. When they are going to spend their money, they need to be very frugal right now because of the changes that are about to happen in the next year. On the business side of it, the smartest thing a business owner can do right now is set up a lunch or a coffee and invite their commercial lender, invite their accountant, and invite their attorney. And all sit down at once and have a discussion about what we're talking about right now, the economy, and ensuring that everybody is in agreement that they need to all work together to give the correct advice so that that company cash flows on paper so that the banks can continue lending them money. This is incredibly important. 
Great advice. Great advice. Yes. I can't stress it enough how important that meeting would be if business owners would do that. And I don't see enough of it. No, and I'm glad you said that because there's so many, both from the consumer standpoint as well as the business company standpoint, start planning now. I think that's the key is make your plans and make your savings plans, uh, your expenditure and so forth. What you plan to do, operate it like you would a true business and how you would be successful in the business. Look down the road and say, here's what I want to be doing three years and then work it backwards. You know, take that three years, work backwards, find the timeline and you can make it work if you can definitely sit down and do it. I think people are getting concerned and scared and they go, well, well, put it off. Maybe next year. Well, as you're talking about, Stacy, the economy right now is minute by minute, hour by hour as That's it changes. Right. You need to be ready to keep that, adapt your plan, work your plan, and keep working it. But please tell us more. As we kind of wrap this up in a sense of a summary, guide us through this as if if you're a CFO of the company, which you're definitely qualified to be one, all the way through the banking experience, which you're very, have the profession and years of experience to the consumer end. What's a good summary that we can come from this today that can fit us all? Yeah, I appreciate that. And quite frankly, from a business standpoint, and I talked a little bit about it just a little bit ago, the more you surround yourself with the very people who have some sort of a control of the company Mm -hmm. and have honest conversations with them and not be afraid to put them all in one room and have a discussion and say, this is what we're going to do. This is how we want to get there. I want to make sure that everybody's in agreement. I want to make sure that everybody understands what we need to do in order for us to succeed. Mm -hmm. We always hear consistently that no one ever wins alone. You win as a team. And it really comes down to that team that you surround yourself with. And that starts with your banker, that starts with your accountant, that starts with your attorney, those very important pillars that in some way, form or fashion have some sort of control in your company with the advice that they provide, especially Mm -hmm. the accountant has to be in the same room as the bankers so that they can share the loan documents and show the financial performance covenants. And so that the accountant can take that back and ensure that that business will be able to obtain the loan that they need or continue to renew the loan as it comes up for renewal. And I don't see enough of this. Strategically, to me, that's what a CFO is. They are relationship manager. They pull the levers when it comes to software and improvements, cost savings. But at the end of the day, the strategy really comes from ensuring that everybody is on the same page and moving that business forward. And I can't stress that enough right now how important that is. Well, what a way to end a conversation with Stacy Huddleston of Kansas City, longtime friend, great friend, and great friend to the energy industry as well as the financial industry. Thank you for your leadership through the years, Stacy. And we're going to hear great things about Stacy. I know as time goes on, he's got a lot of expertise and you need to tap into that. So call me sometime and I will tell you how to get hold of Stacy because that's how we keep moving. And that's the Energy Fellows at work right there. Thank you, Stacy, for being on uh, the Energy Fellows. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate this opportunity and, and wish everyone well. Well, yes, for a great 12 months ahead, for sure, for all That's of right. us. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Well, I, I want to thank the audience. Please rate and review. Go to the show notes and rate and review our program. And in this particular episode as well, the book, American Needs America's Energy, it's a monograph, American Needs America's Energy and its Natural Resources. 
you find on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, as well as the original book that was published in 2012. And that was America Needs America's Energy, Creating Together People's Energy Plan. Also, the column, this is the 10th year that I've been a contributing editor to Old Man Magazine. Pick up your copy. Definitely look at the next article column that I have, but also it's a great tool because also Emmanuel Sullivan has Energies Magazine as well as Old Woman Magazine. So definitely pick up your magazines and you can go online with that as well. And I want to thank the OGGN family for all they do. Great support. And lastly, the documentary, Sherwood Forest, Top Secret, you can see on pbs.org. We thank all those that have watched that and supported our efforts there as well. The future of energy depends on us. It depends on all of us. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes of the Energy Fellows podcast. Again, I'm your host, Mark Stansbury, and thank you again, David and Stacy. Thanks, Stacy Huddleston. Join us again next week on the Energy Fellows podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com. 